Welcome to the Ether Review. I'm your host, Arthur Falls. The Ether Review is a podcast about the applications of blockchain technology, from big business to governments to the software that powers our cars. This new iteration of the internet affects every part of our lives. By speaking to the people who work in this emerging field, we aim to decrypt this new technology and distribute the future that is already here. The Ether Review is sponsored by Consensus Systems, a blockchain venture production studio that uses Ethereum technology to build decentralized applications. To find out more, visit consensus.net. That's C-O-N-S-E-N-S-Y-S dot net. Or for cutting-edge commentary on the blockchain and decentralization space, check out consensusmedia.net. On today's episode of the Ether Review, we have Juan Benet and Jesse Clayberg of Protocol Labs, and we're also joined by Ryan Zura of Polychain Capital. And we're going to be discussing the new initiative between Protocol Labs and AngelList to develop a new token launching platform, CoinList. So thanks for joining me, guys, and I look forward to diving into this thing. Great. Thanks for having us. Awesome to be here. Thanks so much, Arthur. So what is the basic idea and reason for the development of this platform? Yeah, so we were in the process of preparing the token sale for Filecoin, and we realized we needed to have a platform to do a token sale that needed to be able to do accreditation for investors. And additionally, we wanted to be able to take not only cryptocurrencies like Ether, but also do dollars, right? So we wanted to be able to do the Filecoin sale with Ether, Bitcoin, and dollars, and potentially other cryptocurrencies. But one big important point there was we needed to have the ability to clear transactions simultaneously across all of these ways of paying. So both cryptocurrency and fiat. And so while we were building this platform, which you know took a ton of work and effort and you know actually involved AngelList because we needed to use the underlying pipes that AngelList already has in terms of all of the accreditation flows of how do you go and accredit an investor, we realized that we might as well put in more work into creating a platform that other people could use because you know it's a massive undertaking to build this whole thing. And if we were just going to use it ourselves and then, you know, move on to the next thing, then the next project would have to go and do all this work. So we figured it would be useful for the entire network and a platform for projects to just make it something that other projects could use and, you know, save them a ton of time and effort and figuring out all these details, writing this complicated platform and so on. And along the way, we we realized that there were actually a ton of different important problems to solve around the effectively the user experience of both people creating projects and investors in the space in the process of a token sale. Meaning, there's a ton of things that are suboptimal, like far from suboptimal, sometimes downright extremely complicated and shouldn't be. And we think that there's a ton of value to be created there, just in terms of streamlining and improving how the token sales actually happen. So can you flesh out the CoinList product for us a bit more completely, One. Yeah, so actually, Jesse, I don't know if you want to... Yeah, sure. No, I'd be happy to talk about CoinList's product. Uh, and it really stems from, you know, us coming from the, the side of, okay, we're building Filecoin and we are going to do the Filecoin token sale. So imagine if we were to interact with a platform that would help facilitate us doing the Filecoin sale, what would the most ideal platform be? And ultimately for the creator, it's a place in where they can be largely not necessarily abstracted from the decisions of all the legal and compliance aspects and, and how do we present 
on ourselves and advertise what we're doing, but, but rather, you know, give them a very well explained and easy to engage with interface and to be able to make these decisions on, you know, all the legal complexities and then the best ways to promote their platform. So we came up with Coinless now. And so what it is, is it's this great place, very focused on token developers for them to be able to come and give a really great concise description of what they're doing, back it up with media. So, you know, you might think of it as, as a mix of Kickstarter and the engagement there and like being able to rally a community around what you're doing, but then also tune towards a more angelist type investment crowd. So you have bigger types of funds coming in and, and making bigger investment plays. We're really excited to build a platform that lets token creators really focus on what they should be focusing on, which is their tech. It's their strength. You shouldn't need to build out an entire platform and consider all of this compliance issues and the regulation incredibly deeply. We can do a lot of that abstraction. And we're fortunate that we had to build this no matter what, right? And every time somebody does a sale, there's always this reinvention. And so like, you know, once and for all, let's just make a great platform that everybody can use in the future. And so uh, we've come out with CoinList. I'll also want to fill in a little bit of details around kind of what the experience is like of using CoinList. You know, as an investor, what you do is you first of all come into the page of a project and, you know, kind of a Kickstarter, you get to see a whole bunch of details that are kind of standardized across all projects, like things that that all projects should show and talk about, starting with basic descriptions of what the thing is, but also who is the team behind it? What are the backgrounds of that team? What are the potential projections of this, this network? Where can it go? What kind of industries does it touch? Kind of like a broader perspective of what the product that you're really creating is about, like what that this network is going to do and going to create. And you can also get a bunch of visibility directly into how the sale is going. As an investor, you can see if you are looking at a live sale, you can see how money that has been committed up so, so far and, and so on, which again, every project has to build for themselves. And many times it's kind of broken. Like we've seen some cases of sales where like the actual the actual pages that are supposed to show how the sale is going are actually wrong. Imagine investors making decisions based on that information that is, you know, there was like a bug or something or like the idea, idea is like solve that once correctly and once and for all. Then there's of course the process of investing through CoinList is vastly simplified. Like the UX right now of trying to participate in a deal in a token sale is, is really complicated, especially for people that are not coming from the crypto, crypto background, for people that don't already have, say, an, a full Ethereum wallet installed in their machine and so on, right? And so it requires people to, first of all, if they need to invest Ether, like go and buy Ether ahead of time, potentially give a again, be subjected to volatility there. And like, by, by the time they actually try and do their investment, Ether could have been worth a lot, you know, different. And, and so, you know, a really critical thing there is be able to take in fiat, actually be able to process significant volumes of money in the, you know, orders of millions and tens of millions and, and more directly in fiat. So dollars really be able to accept bank wires, which is a very basic thing that so far missing from a lot of these token sales. And then the other thing is like, we've seen already in the last couple of weeks, major events where a single token sale slows down the entire Ether network dramatically and brings it down to a halt. And this is really silly, right? Like if you're an Ether contract or like if you have an application built on top of Ether and you know that a token sale is going to happen, like you don't want that token sale to like grind the Ether network down to a halt just because it's occurring, right? And so we, you know, explore, we're already exploring a whole bunch of solutions around this of like, how do you do that without requiring all of these transactions all in one go, most of which don't clear, right? Like we're talking about tons of transactions that never actually clear because the sale already ended. And so we explored a number of solutions here, including things like pre-funding accounts before you invested and so on, which allow you to not have to have this problem in the public chains. 
And then there's also the notion of like, sometimes you don't know when there's these problems around lines, right? And people that know more about and know more about how to do the investment have a huge transaction fee that suddenly clears faster. And then a lot of people that just didn't know that they could do that or like were paying with their regular user wallet and didn't know how to change the transaction fees. So we're talking about like really smoothing out and streamlining the entire investment experience to the point where like it's just a few clicks, very standard process, simple invest and then are asked to pay and then they can always go back and have like a clear record of all of the investments that they've made you know what was the agreement there what were all the legal agreements that they signed along the way little do some people know that like when they actually invest into something they're actually sometimes agreeing to certain certain documents this is only known by when you look through the website of some of these token sales and you realize that like if you send money to a certain contract you are now agreeing to some like purchase agreement and you have no idea like most people probably didn't even read that on the flip side, the experience for the projects, we're talking about having a very standard set of requirements of being able to like provide a certain type of information, be able to like work with us to list their token. They're going to be able to see a whole bunch of different things that token sales do. We're looking at being able to support you know, a wide variety of different like kinds of sale mechanics, like different groups are construct different contracts and engineer different ways of, of doing pricing schemes and so on, things like Dutch auctions and so on. So we're looking at all of those. And then projects are able to not have to worry about the security of issues around like, did they write the right contract? Was that done correctly and, or not or, or whatnot? And they don't have to worry about if they're going to take fiat and so on. Like there's a whole bunch of onerous questions there around are they taking bank wires correctly, depending on where they are and what country they are. There's a regulation around that as well and so on. Then then once the investment completes, there's a whole bunch of work here that currently simplifies for the platform creators get like a clear list of who all of their investors were. They can, you know, contact them. They know exactly what the amounts were. They have any kind of signed agreements that, that were part of the transaction are there. And projects are once the network goes live, one of the things we're working on is how does that delivery work? I think that's one of the issues that plagued a ton of projects where the token is going to be created in the future. So not ERC-20 projects, but other projects where the token is not really out yet and they're doing a pre-sale is how do they work at that delivery? Like, how do they deal with like making sure that everyone gives them public keys to, to be able to send to and, and all that kind of madness that is a huge amount of like organizational effort here. It's just like much more trivial process. So there's a ton of things here where every single project would have to do something like this. And now it's just like, we do it once and it works for everyone. I, th I think right now there's a huge opening for being able to figure out signal in the space in that there's a ton of different projects going on. And we think that there's a lot that the venue through which the sales is done, there's a lot that can be done there to be able to kind of highlight what does the entire space think about this project? What are the avenues for signal that investors and other people can kind of rely on to learn more about the project and so on? What do you mean by the term signal? So I mean specifically signal to noise ratio so in an environment as crowded as this one there are a lot of projects that are creating massive amounts of value right so you can look back to 2014 and really pit ethereum against a whole bunch of other projects that were being started around the same time and that we're seeing kind of in similar lights and to some of us in the space they were night and day different because we understood how to tease out that signal because we understood how to like read into the projects understand them diligence them do the hard diligence that it requires to understand which of these projects was actually going to be tremendous and significant and you know a lot of us came out of that picking things like ethereum and saying like wow this is going to be a fundamentally important project 
nowadays there's probably what 5x 10x the amount of projects in the space and i'm not sure that the signal to noise ratio has remained the same it, it may be that there's actually just larger distribution of projects that are not as strong and coupled with that there's some cases where there's outright projects that like just won't work that the representations that a project is making are just not correct right and in any startup venture you see this right like in any kind of new th- piece of technology that's being created, you see a lot of things that are being described that may not actually come to pass because either they're too risky or something around the business model is wrong or something around the technology is wrong. And this area, like any other area, is one where you have to do significant amount of diligence to understand which of these pieces of technology is actually going to work as advertised or is actually going to be able to succeed in its endeavor. And so that's kind of what, I, what I'm trying to capture with this notion of signal to noise, meaning which of the projects have the most compelling technology and invention and behind them, which of them are being built by people with extensive knowledge and effort and grit that are actually going to carry them to their success and which are not, right? And which are built by groups that are less strong or whatever, right? And I think it's when thinking through these networks as something to invest into, investors need to think very carefully about things like that, of really being able to select teams and projects that are really going to make it and not just give money that's potentially going to be wasted entirely, right? And so that's something that we see as a major hole right now in the space. You know, I think people can approach it in a couple of ways. One is if you don't know much about the space, but you as an investor want to be exposed to it, one of the best strategies you can have is to actually invest in a fund that's very focused on the space. Go and become an LP or a GP of a fund that's very focused on investing into the space. And Polygen is a great example of one that if people are excited about the space, but don't have themselves the technical capabilities to really diligent something, very strongly consider just investing directly through it. Another option is to go through and try to do the diligence yourself and try to understand the tech, dive deeply into it, try and figure out what is good or bad about it, read reports from other groups, probably a lot of reviews being made and written by other groups, and basically make your determination based on all of that and your own diligence effectively, right? So I think as investors, you have to have like this really critical step of like diligencing the potential investment. And so we think that there's an opening right now for potentially being able to source some of that important review material and so on, or reports in a sense, and be able to kind of bring them up and bring them to light in a way. We think that, you know, the Quintus can play a significant role in creating an environment where some of that signal can shine. It's not just every project under the sun, but it's rather projects that have been vetted and have some amount of strength to them that has been kind of verified. Of course, ultimately, you know, with any investment platform like AngelList and so on, investors are still making their own choices and their own investments, all at their own risk. But I think there's a big difference between if you see a startup listed on something like AngelList or you see a startup coming out of something like YC, it lends a lot more strength and and credibility to that team because those groups have done at least some amount of diligence, right? That's something that I think is really critical in the space right now, especially as more and more capital moves in. We're starting to see huge amounts of capital from everything from VC funds to hedge funds to family funds to like just a broad public as a whole coming into the space. And this influx of capital is oftentimes not very well versed and is going to end up being deployed into a whole bunch of projects that perhaps are not going to be able to succeed in their goals or perhaps are too good to be true in a sense. And we think that it is important to create some signal. 
So, Ryan, you're part of probably the most well-known investment fund of the space. You've obviously closed your doors to additional investment. But what is your view on the flow of capital into these projects, into general cryptocurrency investment? Have we seen a high watermark for the time being, or do you think this is going to be an ongoing flood? Yeah, we definitely not seen the high watermark. Our understanding is that there is an incredible amount of institutional capital still on the sidelines pushing into the space over the next little while. So as Juan pointed out, there's a lot of money coming in right now that is trying to understand this ecosystem and needs tools and competent people like the group at CoinList to try to help whitelist certain projects that they can participate in, either as a fund or have a fund on CoinList that participates in a number of different projects. And so at Polychain Capital, we will be deploying a significant amount of capital on CoinList over the next, say, 12 to, to 18 months, somewhere in the tens of millions at least. We're really excited to work closely with the team at CoinList getting projects on the platform, allowing for open discourse around due diligence and hopefully setting some best practices around due diligence so that the whole industry starts to have kind of a checklist available, items to check off and different things that you should be looking for when you're researching whether or not to deploy capital into a project. And this platform is really kind of the best in class way to start down that road. There's a veiled problem here that we're not really covering, and that is these premature or outright abusive crowdfunding efforts that actually take advantage of the lack of education of a lot of the investing public here. Is this the cure for these not-so-reputable efforts? Yeah, so great point to bring up. And there's a couple of things to dive in there. But the first off is just a general bar of quality, right? Projects on CoinList, we expect will be very high quality in general. And CoinList being the place where you know that when you browse through, largely these projects are known to be of, of very high quality and provide very high value. And then, you know, it's ultimately when you're running a, an investment platform, you can't say that, hey, this is clearly an amazing investment. And by putting money in here, you will be successful. This is an investment, right? There's always a risk with that. You can, we feel, with doing diligence, with presenting the diligence to the end user, to the end investor, call out, like, obviously blatant things likely won't even make it on the platform. But then, you know, there are some other things with these technologies that there needs to be invention. There needs to be experimentation in the future. And, and we really hope that through basic auditing, you can suss out things such as don't, you know, right now, some of these sales, are investors really reading? If it's an Ethereum smart contract or what have you, are they reading through every line and understanding exactly where their money's going to and how it's going to be distributed, what have you? I, I think largely probably not. And so you can eliminate just this broad swath of outright scams and then really let the investor focus on, on the the uncertainty from a place which is much, much easier to understand. And so we think that, yes, it, it will help make things a lot more clear and, and protect people who are not nearly as, as educated. I want to add, the, the Ether returns were so phenomenally great that, you know, created a lot of capital in the space that suddenly could get invested into other projects, but also attracted a ton of new capital, right? And with all this new capital rushing in, so is the, the realization that without a ton of work, a project could raise in the tens to hundreds of millions of dollars, something that would not be seen at all in the venture capital landscape. So what we think that's potentially going to cause is the proliferation of scams, right? Like we've already seen a number of scams in this environment, a number of projects that are straight up outright just trying to 
divert funds from one group and give it to another. You know, there was no real technology behind it, no real thing there. And we're probably going to see more. And so we think, you know, it's first of all, first and foremost, it's extremely important that all investors who are thinking of deploying capital in the space do very serious technical diligence here. Also diligence into the people, like who are the people building this? What is their history? Or have they been in the space for a long time? Are they technologists first and foremost? Or are they, do they have some history of scam behavior? Like that kind of review alone can highlight several potential problems. And then from there, like, you know, it's really still completely up to investors whether or not the project is going to succeed. I mean, there are a ton of reasons why projects fail. You know, the vast majority of startup investments all always fail, right? And so like, that's, that's still the case. But it's important that at the very beginning, you're not even just like dealing with an outright scammer, right? And so it, it's something where, you know, it's important to set up some bar of quality. And then beyond that, let investors focus on the tougher things, which is really thinking through the economics here, the tech and, and so on. And this is really the key point that CoinList allows for a highlight to be put on projects that have met a certain standard so that we don't have the narrative in the ecosystem being hijacked by projects that are objectively just not worth the money that's being thrown at them. This is an incredible sort of utility service that has been provided by the team at Protocol Labs. They're far too humble to mention the fact that, you know, they don't actually get or move their own project forward by putting this out there. Their project already has tremendous interest. And so this is really, again, a utility service for the whole ecosystem to have a place where high quality projects are being vetted and discussed and and offered in a very compliant fashion and in a compliant fashion here for U.S. investors as well. So we're not off doing these Wild West ICOs trying to exclude U.S. investors to, to avoid U.S. regulation. And... You know, again, it's just a, a fantastic effort by this team moving the whole ecosystem forward. I, I kind of object to the phrase Wild West ICOs associated with barring US investment purely because part of the problem is this onerous culture of regulation in the US that is preventing projects from raising money in the States. But at the same time, everyone's trying to just make this work. And But are projects being prevented from, from raising money from US investors? I would say for the most part, they're not. There's just a higher standard of regulation around what is a security and consumer protection and subsequently investor protection. Nobody's being barred from doing it. They just have to meet high standards here, right? I think one important thing to mention there is we're going through a period of time where everyone is in like really great highs because the entire ecosystem is booming in a ton of ways. A ton of people that made an enormous amount of money with Ether. And a lot of those people f- are from the community and understand the tech well enough to be able to like pick apart the scams. But what they're not seeing is that there is a very significant fraction of people that do not have those abilities to tell between projects. And in some cases, I, I highly encourage everyone who is thinking about you know investing in projects or just being creating a project or is active in the space in general to look through some of the projects that have been legitimately figured out as scams and look at the marketing and look at the huge events and the hundreds of people that go to them and are willing to invest significant amounts of money or give significant amounts of money to these groups. And the majority of them have no clue at all how cryptocurrency works. There's a lot of money being moved this way or, you know, effectively like, you know, scammed. This is why the regulations are in place. I mean, this is where they came from. It's not clear at all that the form of the regulation is correct and that like 
just having more money doesn't necessarily mean at all that you can diligence one of these projects better or you should be able to invest where somebody else that potentially a distributed systems grad student who or a game theory grad student who knows deeply much more about these kinds of networks and would be able to tell how to invest this money much better may not be able to participate at all because they don't have that level of wealth so agreed like the, the law there doesn't quite match some set of cases, but what it does protect is a huge fraction of the population who doesn't quite know that much about how to do investing or how to diligence investing or, or anything like that, and who would, could potentially invest massive fractions of their savings, their life savings into this thing that, you know, people have assured them will go to the moon, right? Like will go up in value significantly. You don't have to go far. Like we can go back a, a few decades to seeing like Wolf of Wall Street, go watch Boiler Room. Those are clear examples of things that did happen where a lot of people lost a lot of money. The regulations in place for a reason. This is just a time lag in between the huge amounts of money come in and a lot more people with money willing to invest it who don't understand that much about the space come in. That's where the regulations are coming from. One one thing worth noting is regulations are actually different worldwide and in various different countries. And it is actually possible to do it per country. It is not so onerous that you couldn't do something where like you comply with U.S. law in the U.S. and you do a different thing outside. And so, for example, the U.S. specifically has a thing called Reg S offerings, where in the U.S. you accredit, and then outside of the U.S., as far as the U.S. is concerned, you don't have to accredit according to U.S. law, right? And so this is a clear example of a project already has done, and probably other projects will be doing. And it's a sort of thing where you should be complying with the right laws at the right place. So I think what really needs to be understood at this point is what this influx of capital means for the ecosystem. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, Ethereum has come out now and brought a lot of publicity to the space. But with a lot more money coming in, it means you just have a lot more excitement from all angles. I mean, you can see creators coming into the space now, a lot of technical people who, who hadn't necessarily thought of this now becoming very interested. And then conversely, I think you also have, and I've seen this on the coinless side, uh, just in the interest in the platform and the type of creators that want to start, you also have a, a massive class of projects who are interested in this idea. ICO craze for raising money, and that's you know whether or not their technology has anything to do with you know under with cryptography or or really tech in general. Everybody kind of there seems to be a, a general a sense of like hop on the ICO quote unquote train as well. So, so generally, I think the influx of capital for the space has, has created a lot of excitement, but then also you know at the same time has some potential downsides too. And you've seen this, you know, in valuations of projects. I'm sure Ryan has a lot to say on that. Yeah. Well, and I think one of the big bottlenecks that we're finding ourselves dealing with with a lot of projects in our portfolio is just finding the right talent. And so the money has come in before enough talent has come in to build a lot of these decentralized consensus systems. And, and there aren't a lot of specialists in decentralized computing out there. And so we have this lag moment where we need to now have a massive education effort to bring along the technology side and, and bring along talented developers to start building out new technology. My partner Olaf is often quoted as saying that he, the things that we're most excited about are the projects and innovations that haven't even been dreamed up of yet. And I think that's very true. And I think we haven't seen the Facebook or Google of Web3 yet. But in order to get there, we hopefully a good chunk of this capital and certainly a good chunk of the capital that we're deploying these days goes towards uh, an education format 
of finding developers in related fields and bringing them here, incentivizing them to come into the space, and then also developing young technical talent to grow and contribute to this space. And fortunately, we've got one big card up the sleeve, which is tokenized incentivization, where a developer can contribute to an open source project and do very well for himself. A lot of the developers that contributed to the early days of Ethereum have done extremely well for themselves. And so there's early examples, and hopefully that will create enough of an incentive to bring new young developers into the ecosystem. And we're starting to see that, but that's really the bottleneck today. You've been listening to The Ether Review. I'm Arthur Falls. For more episodes, subscribe on iTunes or visit etherreview.info.